my father was left in a nursing home across the continent from his actual home. And we had no way to make decisions for him. To be able to make decisions for him, we would have had to start conservatorships in two states. And when you figure you're putting down $10,000 just to start those proceedings, it was a freaking nightmare. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grown up friends. As we continue to deal with the coronavirus health crisis and economic crisis, we have to talk about health and money issues that frankly really stink. I have pretty much been trying to avoid them, which is not very grown up, I know. So I'm grateful to this week's guest, Liz Weston, for, well, forcing the discussion, which we need to be having, by sharing a very personal money story that I hope doesn't happen to a lot of us, but probably will happen to some of us, unfortunately. Okay, let's switch gears just briefly. Before we get to that, I want to thank all of you, my Financial Grown Up community, because thanks to you guys, the Financial Grown Up podcast has crossed the 500,000 downloads mark. When I started this podcast back in 2018, I really had no idea what I was doing, and I still sometimes feel that way, but seeing that half a million mark is really a validation that I am helping a lot of people along with all of the reviews that you send and the DMs. So thanks to all of you for being there to support me. It is truly appreciated and makes it all worth it because it's a lot of work, but I love it. And I love making a difference for all of you. Let's get to Liz Weston. In addition to being an award-winning journalist with a column at personal finance website NerdWallet, she is also a CFP. And in fact, her encouragement really inspired me to also become a CFP because I found that test really intimidating. And Liz told me that I was going to pass. And I felt like if Liz believed in me, I could do it. Liz is also the co-host of NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast and the author of five books. And in our interview, in addition to sharing her money story, Liz also taught me what a honey badger is when it comes to fighting for those you love. Here is Liz Weston. Hey, Liz Weston, you're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much, Bobby. It's great to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you. We're huge fans of your column on NerdWallet, your podcast. And of course, you've been on my other podcast, Money with Friends with Joe Salcihai. That was so much fun. (laughs) Yes. We loved having you. I was a little bit upset because I lost the battle for who got to be your co-host. So Joe Joe won that one, but we'll see what the future holds. Um, You're also an author of five books, by the way. So I'm an an award-winning journalist. So we're honored to have you on this podcast as well. Oh, thank you, Bobby. I appreciate it. And I'm putting my money on you. I think you'll win the next round. Very good. We'll tell Joe that. Anyway, so, okay, wait, I want to get to your money story quickly because it is unique and compelling. No one has ever brought a money story like this to financial grown-up. And it has to do with the fact that we sometimes do things that we think we're doing correctly in personal finance. And we are, but we don't necessarily do it completely and think through all the different variables that could confront us. So tell us your money story, Liz. Okay. So my father was visiting his sister in Florida. My father lived in Washington State. And he had a massive stroke. 
Now, one of the things about Florida is that they're really good at keeping people alive when they have massive strokes, given their population. So he survived it, but he was incapacitated. He didn't know where he was. He didn't know where he was in time. It was grim. And he had an advanced care directive, which for people who don't know, that is the the paperwork that basically names somebody else to make decisions for you if you can't make decisions for yourself regarding your health care. So he had that document, but the only person he named was his spouse. And his wife was not only older than he was, but after a few weeks, she went home to Australia. That's where she was from. So my father was left in a nursing home across the continent from his actual home, and we had no way to make decisions for him. So your father was living in Australia? Well, half of the year. Half the year he's in Australia, okay. half the year he was in Washington. So he's stranded. And the thing was, to get control or to be able to make decisions for him, we would have had to start conservatorships in two states. It would have had to have been his state, Washington State. And Florida. And when you figure you're putting down $10,000 just to start those proceedings, it, it was a freaking nightmare. So what happened? Well, eventually she did come back and a, a nurse at his facility all but bullied her into signing a do not resuscitate order because that was the problem that he kept having crises. They kept taking him back to the hospital. They'd fix him. They'd send him back. So they were just keeping him alive for no good reason with terrible quality of life. And that's why he had done the advanced care directive in the first place. He watched my mother die of cancer. He knew how awful that could be when you're like lingering in that state. But because he named somebody who was older than he was and wasn't around and there was no backup, he was stuck in that limbo for four months. So it was grueling. It was awful. And for you and your siblings, what had you talked about in advance of this? Were you aware that this was a missing piece to the puzzle ahead of time or this just all happened all at once? It happened pretty quickly. I was just relieved at first that there was any kind of paperwork because I wasn't sure he had taken care of that. He was very private. He didn't want to be asked about his financial situation. I knew that they had done some estate planning because I'd seen my mother's estate plan, but I had no idea with him. So the fact that the document was even there was was pretty helpful, but it would have been much more helpful if there'd been any kind of backup. So what is the lesson for our listeners from this? What could be done in this situation? What if, for example, his wife had not come back? I mean, wh where does that leave you? Yeah, we would have been in court. We would have been spending tens of thousands of dollars trying to get rest control so that we could do what he wanted done. Right. And you're spending money for lawyers when you're not really fighting. You're just fighting paperwork. You're not, yeah. no one's actually telling you that they don't believe this is what your father wanted. No one's actually against you. You're just in court because of the way the law is written. Exactly. And we didn't know that there wouldn't be a court battle. I mean, she could have come back at any time and tried to fight. Who knows? But it was it was just a tense and really, really uncomfortable situation for everybody involved. How much could it have cost you? You said 10 to begin with in each state. Yeah, I really don't know. I know these battles have gone to six figures, but I don't know. And that's not to mention the fact that, that there's nursing care going on during this time. Yeah. And there's where we lucked out in a weird way is because he kept being sent back to the hospital, the Medicare uh, limits reset. And if you don't know, uh, Medicare typically doesn't cover custodial care, which is mostly what he needed, except for right after a hospital visit. There's a limited time when they do. So we kind of lurched from one of those to the next. But at some point, if he he continued to live, it would have been on us all the custodial care. And that is incredibly expensive. 
So we digressed a bit. Tell yes. me, <laughs> let's get back to what the lesson is and how can people, you know, if you, especially if you have a relative that is very private, what options do you have um, in terms of maybe even just educating yourself to know things like that, the Medicare situation? Well, obviously we want to first take care of ourselves. So if you don't have this particular document, go to prepareforyourcare.org. So it's prepareforyourcare.org. They have forms for every single state, instructions on how to do this. That's the easiest way. There's all kinds of questions you can answer about what you want and what you don't want. But the most important thing is to name the right people to make those decisions. You can skip all the questions if you want, if you put the right person in charge. So a lot of us have our spouses, but you definitely should have backup, one backup, maybe two. Ideally, those people will be younger than you so that they are likely to survive you. The problem with having your spouse is that the spouse might be involved in the same accident that takes you out or that makes you incapacitated. So that's always a risk. That's another reason why you want to have a backup. And I use the phrase, you want to make sure that the person representing you is a honey badger. And by that, I mean somebody who's really willing to get up in the face of the medical care system to make sure your wishes are carried out. It can't be their wishes. It's got to be your wishes. So it's somebody that's going to be able to push back against the medical industrial complex and make sure that you get what you wanted. And that takes a little bit of, you know, feistiness. And what about, are there ways to deal with elderly people that just refuse to speak about? Are there ways to approach them? Yes. And especially now with COVID-19 going on and people having these horror stories of getting sent off to the hospitals and stuck on ventilators when they don't want to be. I always like to come to it, discussions like this, having my own ducks in a row. So that's why I suggest go take care of this first, and then you can bring it up with your elderly parent or your, the person that you're concerned about. And just talk about that, how you've heard of these horror stories of people getting interventions that they didn't want or being stuck on life support. And you would like to know what they want. You want to make sure that their wishes are carried out. And do you have an advanced care directive? Do you have somebody that's in paper, you know, that you've named on paper and that you've executed that people particular document to do these, to make these decisions for you? And a lot of people, once you bring it up that way, they're willing to talk about it. You're not pushing and asking about your inheritance. You're not talking about a bunch of other things. This is a real quality of life issue. And I think older people are going to be willing to talk about it. It's not the same as talking about death, interestingly. It's mm -hmm. something that's talking about, okay, the, the quality of life that you experience. I think people are more likely to talk about that than maybe death. Although there are going to be the death deniers who think they're going to live forever. I don't know what to do about those. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that story. You also brought with you a money tip that I think could be very helpful to a lot of people in my life, myself included, <laughs> but especially maybe some other people in life, in my life that, you know, sometimes procrastinate. Again, I'll, I'll admit I do procrastinate on some things. And I think we're all selective procrastinators. Sometimes we procrastinate on things that maybe aren't as important, but when something's really important, we do somehow get it done. But tell us your money tip, Liz. If there's something difficult you need to do with your money, something you've been putting off, make an appointment to deal with it. It can be months from now, but put it on your calendar and treat it like a real appointment. And there's two benefits to that. One is that you stop that nagging in your head that's telling you you should do this. Because even if you're ignoring it, it's eating at you. And you know that, <laughs> Bobby, just so as well, well as I do. So yes. well. But then it's something that's on your calendar. And if you treat it as, okay, this is the time I'm going to do that. 
you can make progress on any task, no matter how difficult it might be, or it might take more than one appointment, but at least you're getting started. You get that reminder. So give us an example of something that you've done that that worked for. Thinking about changing the guardian for my daughter. It's something that my husband and I talked about. We worked out because as you your kids get older, their needs change. When they're younger, you can ship them off wherever. When they're older, you want them to, to be able to finish school where they are. So the person that's taking care of them could change. So we knew that we wanted to do this. And then I completely dropped the ball. All I needed to do was call an estate planning attorney, but I kept putting it off and kept putting it off. This is weird. So I finally just put a day on my calendar where I'm going to call Bert, our estate planning attorney, and get this ball rolling. And it was there. I took care of it. Boom, it was done. And it's a two-minute call, but we have that where we kind of know in our head we have all of these two-minute phone calls to make. And I tend to just make lists. Yeah. And then I push it forward to the next day. But I like the idea of the appointments, especially if it's something that you know can wait. Maybe you're going to sign up for something, but you want to wait and see for whatever reason if it melds with your schedule, but you also don't want to forget. Yes. So I think it can be really good. Or we're signing children up for activities, but you want to in this COVID era, see if it's actually going before you send in your deposit and they decide to just keep it. You know what I'm saying? I, I think do. that's a great thing to do. Or even in this, another thing, you know, we have all these doctor's appointments that a lot of us are behind on. You know, you can say, make sure you check if this doctor is open yet, Yeah, especially for kids and stuff, because, you know, we finally went to the orthodontist after, I don't know, three and a half months. <laughs> You know, it's so funny because we usually panic when the kids don't go to the orthodontist over a seven week camp. And here we went many, many months. So yeah, you got a reminders for everything. But I love that suggestion. Thank you so much for joining us. Tell us more about what you've been working on, especially at NerdWallet. I so enjoy your column and you've also got your podcast. Yes, I'm now the co-host on the Smart Money podcast, and it's been more fun than I could have imagined. We're talking about money issues that people are interested in. So people send us in their questions and we answer them. And we also have a little bit at the top of the podcast talking about this week in your money. So it's something timely. It's something to do with the news. It's something to keep it a little fresh in case you're not interested in the question. Although the questions are really good. You have another place to kind of come in and see what we're up to. What's the best question you ever got? Not oh. to put you on the spot. <laughs> or let's say a really good question. Like what's, a, what's the type of question that, that you ask on the show? Well, this one we just got. And it had to do with how to pay off debt at the same time, how to pay off debt in the best way to improve your credit score. And I realized I've written a book about credit scoring and I wasn't entirely sure. Was it better to pay down the highest uh, balance first, the one that's closest to its limit? Or did you want to kind of spread it around so all the credit utilization is coming down at once? Turns out the best thing to do is the small balances. If you have a bunch of small balances, so you knock a whole thing off. Yep. Wow. Yeah. You, you start knocking those off and that actually does the most good. You need to do all those things. I mean, obviously, of course, that's how but you start. I, I also think you feel better with that. It just makes you feel like a winner. Like check the box. I am a late convert to that. I fought that so much because I'm all about the APRs and it was like, oh, you should pay the highest interest rate first. But the evidence is in. It really works. It's like dieting. The one that works for you is the one that works. That's the other thing that we say. Whatever method you can stick with is the right method. Exactly. Okay. Where can people be in touch with you and learn more about you? Come to nerdwallet.com. We have all sorts of resources. I also have a blog. It's uh, asklizweston.com. And if you want to submit a question to the podcast, you can go to the podcast. If you want to submit a question specifically to me, you can come to my site. But uh, NerdWallet has a ton of resources, calculators, tools, all kinds of things to help you make financial decisions with confidence. Excellent. I am also a fan of NerdWallet. In fact, I had an executive from NerdWallet in my book. So 
all did good things. Did you really? Things. I did. I did. So there's a plug for how to be a financial grown up. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, Bobby, it's so much fun. I really enjoy talking with you. Hi, everyone. Here's my take. Financial grown up tip number one. Nothing is forever, and that includes your estate and healthcare planning documents. I myself realize I might need to update mine after talking with Liz. Estate planning isn't just about money. More important things, frankly, are things like the advanced care directive that Liz talked about. You got to do the paperwork, and you also have to make sure that you discuss it with anyone that could be involved should something happen. And of course, also, you should involve professionals who know what they're doing and might catch something that could be slipping through the cracks, as was the case with Liz's dad. I'm going to use Liz's appointment money tip and put an appointment on my calendar to make sure this gets done. Financial grown-up tip number two. The coronavirus has taken its toll on keeping up with our support system. Friends and family, we used to just see on a regular basis going about our activities. Use Liz's appointment technique to make regular catch-up times with your friends and family. So for example, you could choose... 8 a.m. on Tuesdays and Thursdays and create an open slot on your calendar. And every week you block out that time and you book a half hour catch-up call with a different friend or loved one during those times. So instead of saying what time's good for you, what time's good for me, just say what's the next Tuesday or Thursday at 8 a.m. that you are available and then send them an invitation on their calendar, blocking it out on their calendar as well. Much better than the back and forth, and it's easier to actually make happen. And I think that when we're in touch with our friends, even if it's virtually, we're all healthier. And in the end, that's what's important. I think it's a good thing to do. On that note, I hope all of you are healthy and staying on track with your financial goals during this season of our lives. I truly appreciate your support in getting to that half a million downloads milestone. I can't believe it. It's been a really long, and honestly, it's been a really challenging time, but well worth it. Special thanks to my incredible team, Steve Stewart, who helped develop the Financial Grown-Up Podcast with me when it was just a quirky idea, and to Ashley Wall, who does all the things, including scheduling guests, putting together all of our graphics, and those cute videos that you see on social media. Ashley does those, along with the show notes and so much more. So thank you to Steve and Ashley. And to Liz Weston for helping us all be financial grown-ups. Financial Grown-Up with Bobby Rebel is a BRK Media production.